So we're here today, ladies and gent, I should say. Um, and there was a recent Instagram reel that I thought we could have a quick discussion on. It was when you first hear a song, is it something that you're moved by the music or do you hear the lyrics first? So I'm going to kind of start off and give you my answer, but I would love to kind of get your guys' thoughts. So I think a lot of times it depends on like what's going on in your life because a lot of times the lyrics can really hit you hard um, if whatever the case might be. So for me, it's always the lyrics. And then when it's Dance Party USA at home, then it's the music that I get to go through. But for sure, the lyrics. So I'm curious, though, Kelsey, what about you? What I actually love most? that. And here, now that you're going dance party at home, I'm like, what playlist is that? And can you share it with me, please? And thank you. That's um, what I was thinking. <laughs> right? I'm like, that's the one that we need to start our marketing Mondays. Right. Anyways, side yeah. chat. We'll tangent on that later. Um, but no, I guess, yes, it depends. Because, right, there are certain songs where you go, oh, I remember the rhythm. Or, oh, no, the lyrics are the only thing I remember. I don't really remember what it is. But the majority of the time, for me, it's the music. It's whatever is in the background. I was that child that would constantly sing the wrong word because I just assumed that, that was the word being said, even though it makes no logical sense whatsoever. So, yes, I think the majority of the time my brain's like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. We're going to go. And then once I read lyrics, I feel like it's a mind-blowing experience that it's a completely new song now that I know the lyrics. But what about you, Anne? I am exactly the same. I absolutely, I I have even had the right lyrics and I am notorious for having wrong lyrics years through, but I will sing even the correct lyrics with the song and it, it will dawn on me years later to be like, oh, oh, that's, that's what the lyrics are. Okay. I've been saying the words, but it didn't sink in because I'm almost always listening to the music. Right. That's why Broadway is so great. Is you're like, oh, it makes sense because I have to listen to the words in order for this all to make sense. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Gotta pay attention. What about you, Matthew? So as a, a big musical theater fan, um, I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, but yes, I'm lyrics first. Uh, I'm much better now than I used to be, but I would it used to be that I would listen to an album the first time with the lyric book open and that was what i had to do to really like enjoy it um i'm now probably i listen to the music just as much um but it's also more so that if i don't like the style i tend to skip and i try and find new music at least once a week so i'm a little more nitpicky than i used to be when i was just listening to the same genre over and over again yeah I love that. I love that we're 50-50. Look at us being a well-rounded discussion group today. <laughs> That's great. Well, and it also helps us, too, with the technology that it tells us the lyrics. Like, if we want to be, like, show lyrics, and then we know exactly what we should be singing along. So that's been very helpful to a lot of people, I think, be like, you said that incorrectly. Please review and come back <laughs> next time. But <laughs> I like to be wrong, Tara. I like to be wrong. Right. We yes. just make up our own. But... Um, I did want to say, hey, welcome to today's Tech for Business podcast. Um, today, we're actually going to be talking about PCI compliance and where it's the current version versus 4.0 since we're on kind of the latest and greatest. But we have Kelsey and myself, Tara, here that are going to be the moderators. 
and I would like to introduce Ann and Matthew. They're both um, GRC analysts for CIT. So um, if you guys want to do a quick hello. Well, I'm Matthew. Um, <laughs> and yes, I'm a GRC analyst. Uh, I've forgotten where the rest of that was going, um, but that's that's what I do. Uh, governance, risk and compliance, just staring at uh, documentation all day and then asking you questions. It's the well, thrilling James Bond version of technology. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm, speaking of of staring at documentation like all day, let's get into the basics of PCI compliance. What is PCI compliance <laughs> at the simplest form? Well, I've just been given, uh, I've just come up with the analogy of, of like, we want to talk about where this really gets into the spy stuff. GRC analysts are the people who tell Q to slow down and write some documentation first. Um, before it goes out in, in to everyone else, maybe we should have a document on how to use it. Uh, <laughs> so essentially the untested tech that he gives Bond yeah. would not fall under. Wouldn't, wouldn't pass any of my tests, no. Okay, cool. That was the explain <laughs> it to me like I'm five moment. I really appreciate that. Well, and I'm I'm the balance, and and it's perfect that we let in this way because I'm always like, how can we meet this? Here's the requirements that we have. How can we? Sometimes creatively, but we want to meet the standard and be successful in whatever we're doing. And that might not always be just one solution to the the requirement. This is a little bit of PCI is a little more cut and dried, to be completely honest. There's not a lot of ways to to solve that, but the the ever evolving requirements that they have as a result of of using PCI, it it's it's a moving target. So back to the documentation, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um Within the context of PCI, we're talking about the payment card industry. We're talking about people taking credit cards, storing credit card information. And we're not just talking about the information on the card. We're talking about the personal information that goes with it. So not just the numbers, but the people, names, and information related to it. So uh, zip codes are included as part of that information. Uh, and when we talk about its usage, we're talking about not just storing it, but people who take it from a third party if you have a third party that manages it all for you and you have a credit card reader on site you have to follow these rules as well even though you aren't storing that data um with that context in mind obviously we want to make sure as consumers that the companies we give our credit card information to in whatever way we do it are taking care of it and so the pci um dss the goal is to ensure that you can feel comfortable doing that. And hopefully never think about it again. <laughs> Until it changes again. Exactly, exactly. Right? <laughs> um, from a business perspective, uh, the goal here is to make sure you are treating it carefully, remembering this in incredibly important information for people that they're trusting you to keep this safe and not you know, share it unexpectedly or or anything like that. So the goal here is to talking about what's in place now and what the plan is for moving to V4. Uh, right now we're at 3.2.1 and V4 is a huge change. Uh, in my opinion, needed, um, but a very, a very big change in what the expectations are. 
How does that work though, um, Matthew? I mean, we understand that there's di different versions of like the documentation, but what's in this new version? Like why do they need to update that? What changed? So, so much. Um, I, I don't really know where to start because that's such a, a big question. Um, the the one that comes to mind the most is the the availability of Internet of Things products, IoT products. So most likely you've got some form of camera system in your business. If that camera system is Internet connected, all of a sudden there's things on the network that are less secure than your average system. Obviously not all IoT things are less secure, but the majority of them, there's still a new integration across the board. Um, and so things like that being introduced to a network can make it less safe. And the goal of DSA, of the of version four was to create clearer guidelines and more up-to-date guidelines that reflect the introductions to networks and the changes to computer systems that have occurred since uh, version three was first implemented. I mean, just think about the changes in the last, you know, I think five years. Um, a Nintendo Switch on a network introduces something it didn't introduce previously. Um, the uh, the example I like to use is the uh, the Steam Deck gaming system runs a full Linux backend, so it can be you can install things on it that aren't games. Um, so things like that, which can be introduced to a network to ensure that even if they are introduced to a network, they're not impacting the payment card data. And do you have anything, <laughs> any other well, specifics? It really is to just update the ever evolving security landscape of our networks and how we operate within them. And uh, I would, I haven't looked at the full timeline, but before 3.2.1 to look at, so 1.0 was maybe 10 years and I'm completely making this up, but 2.0 was maybe seven years and now three is five. It's it's really reflecting how that that update is absolutely always on the move. And we don't know, to, to Matthew's perfect example, who would have thought that was even a possibility however long ago. So trying to stay at least in line, maybe not exactly ahead of, of security evolution standards or evolving security standards. Um, it's really difficult to do without personal data and PCI data. This kind of tries to stay on top of it. And it's um, one of the, the things PCI 4 and Matthew garnered this um, isn't required to be fully implemented until 2025, but it came out last year. It's the the updates are such that it's it's huge, and even in the the matrix, I we were joking before this. It it is near impossible to try to understand just the change pages alone that you can pull from the PCI website are 36 pages and those are the changes that's not the full document or requirements that is just the changes um, it makes anyone even the best of experts feel like there's not any chance you'll ever be able to be on top of this but it, it there is 
it is pretty clear in in the changes, which is nice, but it is difficult to be able to stay on top of it. Yeah, <clears throat> exactly. There's there's um a, a significant change in in this crossover period as well. So the uh, March first, twenty twenty four v three point two point one is being retired, um, but uh, and and that means that v four should be in place in your organization by then. There is some items they've added an additional extension to that aren't due until March 31st, 2025. And those items are a little bit more intense in some cases, but more so they they create more stresses financially often. That's why they're increased. They've given you more time to make sure you can implement them and budget for them. Um, what this means to me is that businesses should already be planning for when these implementations should be done. You should already have it split out and organized and planned for how you can make those changes. And I know that's very organized as someone who never used to do their homework until the day before. I'm aware <laughs> of how big an undertaking it can be to schedule like that. But you don't want to be at the place where all of a sudden it's March of next year and you're wondering where to start at least read the document now tick off the ones you know you're comfortable with speak to someone who can help you do that if need be <laughs> you don't want to have most people don't want to have to read this document and i would say most people shouldn't read this document it is not pleasant um Anne and I were talking about that before this podcast um the summary of changes document alone is unpleasant before we get into what the actual documentation looks like. So plan as far ahead as you can so that by the time it comes up, you already know where your yeses and nos and we have it scheduled answers are. Because you you'll want to be able to wrap your head around the questions before the word audit is even said. Um, and not to be a harbinger of doom, but PCI finds a no joke. Some of the harshest fines I've seen leveled against an organization are PCI fines. More so even than HIPAA violations. Yeah. And they're monthly. Like I, I feel like the PCI ones I see, they're always recurring. It's it'll be this amount per month until you it's meet recent. that requirement. Exactly. The, I was gonna say, what are the range of fine amounts that to I love your doom title i'm like that's gonna be your new title i really appreciate that <laughs> but right if you were looking at an actual amount not to scare tactic anybody what are those amounts kind of range off the top of my head and i i don't know the specific number directly i think it's between 10 and fifty thousand dollars a month <laughs> um so it's in line with the ftc charges um that 10 to 50 sorry it's it's ten thousand dollars a month minimum and I think it can be $10,000 a day. Um, but I'm not sure where in that range it directly falls. But it's definitely significant and you'll feel it, especially if that's the kind of amount you've set aside to do the work. And and that's really a good way to think about it when you're talking about this as well, is what is that cost-benefit ratio? So the they're trying to make it so that the the benefit of doing it is better than the cost of not doing it. And that ignores, obviously, the benefits of not giving away patient information, uh, customer information. 
So I wanted to pose just a you know general question. So obviously compliance can be a huge undertaking for organizations. So do we generally find that if there is somebody that's under this compliance regulation, that there's somebody assigned to say, hey, you got to stay on top of this. I need you to be reading this document and maybe listen to music to make it more of a fun, entertaining as you're reading it with their question today. Um, or do they seek outside help? Because it seems to be kind of like there's a lot in here that you we got to make sure like yes, no, or it's coming up. So I kind of want to just uh, to kind of bring that up and and get your response. That's actually a really good question because it kind of skips ahead to my overall recommendations. Um, there are accredited PCI processing services. Um, I can't think, I know we, even CIT uses one, and the, the reality is they know this better than we do, and they are responsible to be an accredited PCI processing entity. You have to obviously follow the rules and the requirements, but it it's buys you a certain level of of trust and and accreditation that's vicariously passed on to you when your customers are asking can you process my payment with a credit card that said um they also should be able to in using one of those services they they usually on the website right matthew uh, they'll say this is the accreditation or or certification that we have when you are using one of those services you are still required to follow the rules based on PCI DSS that apply to you at your location. So let's say I use a service and like Matthew mentioned earlier, while I'm using that service, I still have a reader at, at my facility. And it, again, coming full circle, it's, it's one person should be assigned, but it's not always, uh, we, we tend to help our, our customers realize someone should be. Um, and that can't be an external source. That can't be a CIT or your your accounting firm or something like that. It has to be someone that that uses it and is ultimately responsible for it. Um, with those resources, though, part of the 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 accreditation and and service uh, that you buy is they have the assessment and, and compliance piece typically built in, and they'll push that to you to say, what are you doing annually? And if you do it well, it gets that audit moves out 18 months to two years. I think with this iteration of updates coming, no one will get to that 18 month window, but realistically it, it will help you run through your system, um, have you answer, the, the hard questions to boil down the 36 pages of changes, making it a little bit easier. But again, you're paying for that that uh, processing service. I, I highly recommend it. <laughs> no different than how we feel like we, we really know our stuff in managed services and security, and we love to be hired as as an expert. We, we know when when 
we want to make sure another entity is is doing this on our behalf and we can just check the boxes to say yes we do that yes that's great we we met this requirement and and not have to be the accreditation entity that makes sense yeah I like to think of it as line of business apps in the same way that you wouldn't go through and do, you know, all of your retail work through uh, without some software to assist you now. The the third party vendors that do this, while they do generally have you do the official filling out of the questionnaire and and as Anne mentioned, we we help with that a lot. Um, the actual qualification and certification of that comes through them because of it. So in the same way that you don't have to then go through and count up your tally each day because you're using software that does it for you, you can do the same with this. You know which items have updated and, and a lot of them are going to be doing these changes already. They may even have a V4 checklist for you to follow. Um, so yes, they do cost. There is a charge for them. But A, now you don't have to go through and read and see what the changes are. It's already there for you. Some of them even pull through your answers that correlate from the last time you did it, which can save significant time. Um, but the goal of those is to make it more streamlined for you so that you can not think as hard while trying to get through each of those questions. It's uh, <laughs> my theory on documentation, which I know Anne and I believe Kelsey and Tara have heard multiple times, is you should be able to turn your brain off when you're following instructions like this. And that is not possible for a lot of this this work specifically, but that makes it significantly easier because you aren't ensuring what changes were made, why it's different. Do you meet those questions? Especially when some of the questions are, I don't want to say inherently vague, but they require so much inherent knowledge about not just the environment, but the terminology in use, as well as why or as well as the interactions of those questions with other questions, yes. which I think is why it's so difficult to to really break into this until you've started to see the patterns that emerge across all compliance standards. There's Matthew and I were discussing this before as well. Just the acronyms alone on, on these sounds like if you've ever seen the um, Adrian Cronauer in Good Morning Vietnam, where he has a litany string of of, uh, acronyms that he turns into like a full paragraph all about being on KP duty. Like it's, you look through this and you're like, okay, go back, go back, index, nope, I I know this. Okay, does it mean something different in the context? Nope, nope, okay, oh, but it does here. It's really, really confusing. Uh, it reads like the best of DOD manuals that you're like, I don't want to understand this. <laughs> it's so yeah. it's it's maybe judged on the weight of the printed uh, copy. <laughs> like this is a really good document. Five pounds of paper. Great. <laughs> We're good. <laughs> I do sometimes feel that way about the NIST standard. Um, mm-hmm. The the heavier they can make it, the better it's going to be. Um uh, one of the things that's really changed between V3 and V4 is the, I'm forgetting the best way to phrase this, the proliferation of wireless networks into systems. So when V3 originally came out, 
wireless was a thing, but it wasn't as as in use as it is now. And it definitely wasn't in use in the way that it is now with Mimo and, and all the additional standards that have come through. So because of that, in the new version, they talk about wireless networks explicitly. They call them out. They reference them multiple times. And they make sure you're doing certain things that in V3, it was kind of implied you would. And, and part of that was because you had to. Um, wireless systems previously used to be just extensions, depending on how you set them up. But generally, they're extensions of previous networks. Now, because the, you can get standalone ones that do everything and work as their own router and firewall and everything else, they've called them out to make sure you're treating them correctly. So you'll see a lot of changes that explicitly call them out. Obviously, if you don't use wireless at all, congratulations, you've got a lot of NA you can mark. Um, but that's something to think about as well is, do you know how these networks were set up? I hope that you have documentation on how they're set up, when they're set up, what your standards are if you're setting up new products. And while this works for wireless, it's also true of your computers. Are your computers set up the same way every time? Do you document that process? These questions can seem very overwhelming, uh, especially for a small business and especially if you are or, or if you have an internal one internal IT guy who's maybe doing everything themselves, documenting that process while you're also trying to get multiple machines out is tricky. Um, but this is what they're looking for now. They're expecting a what we a certain level, a certain maturity level within your IT process. Um, it's it's tricky. I think there's a lot of things in here, especially with the way that they've extended, that show that this is no longer. They're expect they're expecting so much from some smaller um, vendors and merchants. It's it's a lot. So Matthew, you're kind of even talking in the simplest form of like just a network diagram to be like, yeah, this yeah. is kind of how the data is coming in and what all pieces does it touch? Where is it? How secure is it? So, um, how well, does that? Oh, on that ahead. specifically, they've actually set they've actually properly split that up in a way I appreciate now, which is they're now officially calling out a data flow diagram and a network flow diagram. So they uh, sorry, a network diagram. So they want a physical diagram of your network, the hardware and and uh, in use across it, as well as a data flow di diagram of how specifically the the PCI data flows through your network. Um, and I'll, I'll, I can harp on this for a little bit, but I'll just cover it quick, quickly. Please, when you're doing this, keep in mind what the critical information is. Your data that is PCI related is what they care about for PCI information. If you get caught on the fact that your server is what you think of as the important thing, but you only have a card reader and you're not storing any of that data, the data flow is purely how the data goes from the card reader out to the internet to your um, third-party vendor. They don't need to know about your server. You'll still want it in your diagram, obviously, but, <laughs> but it's not relevant for how the data flows from your server if you've segmented it properly. So those types of contexts keep it important. And and like you like the original question, it was, yes, they've significantly split those up and they've clarified what they're looking for because it used to be that people would try and make them in one. And in certain environments, it's possible to have your data flow and your network flow uh, and your network diagram be the same document. But generally, you're going to have to break it down 
you're going to clarify what applications are touching it even. Um, so yeah. Awesome. I and love that. I'm like, did I miss anything? anything? Yeah. Anything, <laughs> Anne? I know we're going to be kind of coming up on time of any final things that we want to talk about with PCI today and the compliance of version 4.0? No, we could dig much, much deeper. I, I love that you mentioned the, the net, network and data flow diagrams. Those, those uh, elements are actually coming, um, basically bubbling to the top for requirements across many standards. And to Matthew's point, it's the critical data here as it applies to PCI, but in other, everyone is request or mandating in their requirements for whatever the, the governing body is, that you know where your critical data is in whatever capacity that means to them, whether that's HIPAA data, PII, um, PCI, and where it goes end to end. So um, they're really, PCI is really on, on target with the rest of the, the world and their standards. This, and this is just one example, but it it is that evolution. Yes, we, we protect our data. Okay, but where is it? What is it? And uh, they're not alone in 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 wanting to make sure that we we know what we know. <laughs> like, yeah. Those of you who have had the uh, same mispleasure of reading the CMMC documentation and the FTC documentation as uh, as myself and Anne have, there's so many similarities now. And personally, I think that's a good thing because it does show that there is a consolidation across the board. Um, but yeah, keep in mind that there is a real data first focus that's coming into play. What is the critical data that's relevant? Let's start there. And if you do that within your work, if you do that within how you think about everything and answer those questions, it does make a lot more sense and, and feel a lot more. It, it keeps the scope from creeping and all of a sudden you're not answering questions that are completely irrelevant because we don't want to share too much information about how the organization runs to anyone. They don't need to know. Well, thank you guys um, both so much. I really appreciate that. I know sometimes these compliance conversations can get a little like, oh, but, um, you know, there is really some exciting stuff. I love it, though. I mean, if we think about it, there's a lot of best practices that people need to adopt, especially we talked about the data flow and just your network diagram in general of what that looks like. So if you're not doing that today, get out there, get that done. Um, so you're kind of ahead of that. So. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Anne, um, for your assistance with PCI compliance version 4.0. Super excited for that. Um, but as always, you know, there's there's more information if you guys go out to our website, which is www.cit-net.com backslash podcast, where you can see the latest and greatest. Um, and as always, we're looking for net new topics. So if you have anything of interest, you can email us at info at cit-net.com. But thank you all again. Um, and we'll talk to you guys all next week.